Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Let's go to Brian Fantana. Live on, on the scene with a Channel 4 News exclusive. Brian. And to watch. The mood is tense. I have been on some serious, serious reports, but nothing quite like this. I, 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 I Ching King is inside right now. I tried to get an interview with him, but they said, nope, you can't do that. He's a live bear. He will literally rip your face off. Hey, you're making me look stupid. Get out here, panda jerk. Great story. Compelling and rich. That is a direct report from Auburn, Alabama, where right now Brian Harson watch is underway. Barrett Salee is part of the action. Let's go live now to him on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline from CBSSports.com. Barrett, I know the mood is intense. Give us the update on Harson Watch 2022. Well, I am not there. Uh, but Lane Work with Griffin me, Barrett. And Brian it's theater of the mind. Uh, uh, well, let me tell you, um, we saw Lane Kiffin go through the door to Brian Harson with Herb Vincent of the SEC office acting like the bouncer in the secret door that nobody knew actually existed to the SEC office. Uh, it is. This is so dumb and so uniquely Auburn, and it just—it's. <laughs> I mean, like, if you were to put out a handbook on how not to handle firing, like this is absolutely it. Okay, uh, we're having a little trouble hearing you, I think. But uh, let me ask you about this whole situation. And again, I'm—I don't think you're biased. I trust you as a journalist. I respect you a lot. So. I, I would. I was talking about your Auburn connections earlier, not in the essence of your bias towards Auburn or your bias against Brian Harson. Either way, but the fact that I'm hoping you have some additional connections that maybe some others might not. Do you have any insight? And I talked to we talked to Brandon Marcel last week, and he talked down to me about how stupid I am and how I don't get how they work at Auburn. But I don't sure. understand, even after a bad season, how you get to this point so quickly. So I think there are a few things at play. One, uh, Brian Harson is a complete 180 from Gus Melzahn in terms of personality uh, because Gus is warm, friendly. Brian Harson's not. Um, so that's just generally going to rub people the wrong way. But really, why I thought it was a good hire when it was made is essentially what has gone wrong. Um, you know, because if you remember the whole Kevin Steele thing before Harson was hired, you had powerful boosters lobbying for Steele. Steele had developed those relationships. There was a fan revolt. And essentially, the AD, Alan Green, and President Jay Gooch said, screw it, we're going to go get our guy, and got Brian Harson. And that shrunk the sphere of influence. And uh, that's a good thing for Auburn, because like Brandon Marcello told you, it's an incredibly dysfunctional place. The power structure is bizarre. And part of this is that the power structure has actually resulted in success, the national championship, the trip to the national championship, the undefeated season in 04. So that's why these people are so confident in their, their way working. And so Harson fires his wide receivers coach four games into the season. The offense struggles in an epic fashion down the stretch, even before Bo Nix got, uh, got injured. Um, they suffered a five-game losing streak. Uh, they uh, then fought, uh, Austin Davis, the offensive coordinator, resigns. Derek Mason makes a lateral at best uh, move to Oklahoma State. And then signing day comes and goes and nobody gets signed. And so um, from what I'm told, you know, 
there he was going to be on the hot seat next year because these these powerful boosters who were kind of cut out of the conversation got back into it because of the six and seven record. And when Derek Mason had his exit interview, whether it was formal or informal, uh, I'm told that he said some things that just were were incredibly shocking to uh, to the administration about Harston and how he manages that program. And so, you know, the, the boosters took advantage of a situation. The door opened. They didn't want Harson to begin with. They were back in the conversation, had a stronger voice. And so I'm told that this thing really got rolling when, when, they, when Derek Mason left and some things he said um, led Auburn to really exploring a way to fire him with cause. About the way he treats his coaches, his players, about things he's doing outside the purview of specifically being a head football coach in his personal life, what? Any idea? I think the personal life stuff's a rumor. I mean, it might, it might be true, but I don't think that has anything to do with it. Like, I, okay. I, I think it's purely football uh, because, you know, treatment of players, we, we saw all of them speak up, both for and against Arson on Friday. Uh, there's no doubt that the treatment of coaches, I'm told that there was a big division between Harson's guys and other guys, like the SEC uh, guys like Cornelius Williams, who we fired, Carnell Williams, Zach Etheridge, two of whom are, are Auburn legacy uh, former players and really, I think, legends, because uh, Zach Etheridge, for a lot of different reasons, um, you know, is, uh, is, is highly regarded uh, at Auburn. Uh, we all know what Carnot Williams uh, is, how he is viewed. So I've heard the treatment of coaches, the um, the way the, the coaching staff was divided, players not necessarily feel like they were being treated equally. All that stuff's at play, and I've I've even been told that I mean you guys know this from the Petrino era that simply talking to Brian Harson in his office was a massive chore um, because if you remember Bobby Petrino wouldn't let anybody talk to him at Arkansas or with the Falcons unless they had like an official appointment and like it was an iCal or something it was just yeah and I've heard not necessarily to that extent but stuff like that was going on yeah I can definitely attest to the fact that he was not super pleasant to deal with we're talking to Barrett Slee from CBSSports.com your record is what you you know you you are what your record says it is right I mean you are six and seven you did lose a bowl game to get to that point, but when I look back at the overall performance and playing to a certain standard, I mean, for the most part, there were a lot of close misses. Are you, you know, I guess I'm going to ask you as an Auburn alum in part, but also as a, a person that covers the sport, about the visual, I guess, um, of how this looks to fire a guy after year one with what really amounted to a lot of close losses. And in that same vein, I would ask if you think, if he'd beaten Alabama, if any of this would even be going on at this point? Well, no, it would not be. If Tank Bigsby goes down inbounds, uh, this would not be happening. Because, the, again, the window, the door would not be as open, right? Like, it, the the boosters would not be able to say, we have to fire this guy because the dude just knocked Alabama out of the national championship race. Um, but at the same time, there were also some very narrow wins and games that should not have been close, like the Georgia State game. Um, you know, so that does go both ways. Um, and, and that's kind of the hard, that, that's kind of why it's so hard for them to fire him with cause because of the Alabama game, because of the fact that they won in Baton Rouge for the first time since 1999. 
They beat a, an Ole Miss team that went to the Sugar Bowl. They beat an Arkansas team that was nationally ranked for the majority of the season. So, you know, yeah, you are what your record is. And I think because of the narrow wins and the narrow losses, it's hard to really put a finger on whether last year is deceptive in a positive way or a negative way because it does go both ways. And, and that, I think, is why firing him with cause is hard because if he had lost the Georgia State game and had lost to Ole Miss and Arkansas, which, you know, I think play those games ten times, they lose the majority of them, then, you know, his record's awful and he would be fired with cause regardless. So it's, well, just, it, it, it's, hard, it's hard to make a case one way or the other based on simply on results because it, it, you can right. go both ways. Yeah, that's why guys don't get fired after one year, first of all. Second of all, if getting fired uh, with cause was, uh, you know, being a butthole was one of the things that would result in that, I would have been gone years ago. So I'm really glad that's not a thing that's true. for his sake true. and mine. And mine. Go ahead, Wes. Sorry. The, Auburn has also lost a lot of players in the portal. Now, Arkansas lost a lot of players in the portal. A lot of them were guys that you know weren't going to play here. What about for Auburn? Were these some uh, tough losses, guys in the portal? You know, the, the Bo Nix thing obviously stands out more than anything else. Um, I, I think that was – there were multiple factors at play there. Some of them were probably Arsenal-related – Others are the fact that, I mean, he just kind of got sick of being an Auburn legacy uh, because I think he felt the expectations were too high and that wasn't necessarily fair to him, which I tend to agree with. Um, I think the losses of, you know, guys like Kobe Hudson and Javaris Johnson, two wide receivers who really came on throughout the course of the season, um, you know, that hurt. I think there are there was a total of six scholarship defensive linemen who left, and I think a couple more who, who went into the portal and came back out. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, the, the lack of, of stability within the roster, like that's, that's going to be the norm anywhere. You know, there, there's going to be, it's going to be really hard to produce a roster anywhere. But when you lose 24, 25, 26 players before spring practice even starts, then you're essentially on de facto probation in terms of scholarship athletes. Can you, uh, you know what, I want to ask you a college basketball question so you can, you know, take off your reporter hat and put on your Auburn hat. What did you think of the uh, Razorback celebration after beating Auburn the other night? I tell you what, um, fans filming the court after beating Auburn in hoops is not something you normally see. Um, You know, honestly, I think it's kind of a backwards compliment to to Auburn because, um, again, like that's not, that's not something that, Auburn's basketball program is used to. I was there when Chris Porter was there, um, and I don't think an opposing team still in the court when they beat him. Uh, I might be wrong in that, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I, obviously, Arkansas deserved to win that game. Um, you know, not having Jeff Jasper really hurt Auburn. And really, I hurt Auburn against the, the uh, against Georgia, you know, the previous game. But, um, you know, I think it, it kind of is a, a backwards compliment to Auburn that the fans still in the court because, you know, they gave Arkansas fans a reason to do that. Yeah, no, I don't. Th- I don't think it's a backwards compliment or backhanded compliment at all. I think it's a thousand percent a compliment because yeah, if you if they're not number one, it's not worthy, and they earn that position. And we all think they've got a chance to go to the Final Four. So no, it was a huge win. It's only the second time Arkansas has ever beaten a number one, and they've had about a dozen chances to beat them in the past. It's something you know, even the greats like Nolan Richardson, you know, never did. So yeah, it's I mean, uh, it's it was not, significant. Yeah, it's not like it's not like Arkansas is 
football program. I mean, they're, I mean, not as thorough as you know Kentucky or anything in the SEC, but I mean, they're up there, top tier, top half for sure. Yeah, like two should be, but yeah, yeah, probably think, two. Yeah, so. No, I think I think it absolutely says a lot about where Auburn is right now, and I think Bruce Pearl does a hell of a job, and he's got a good, really good team. So, a lot has also been made uh, Barrett about Auburn and what they do before uh, games, dancing on uh, the opposing team's logo. You know, they they got on the uh, Razorback logo uh, before the game and was dancing and living it up, and, and and the Razorbacks saw that, and they said after the game that gave them a little extra fuel. Do you have a problem with your team dancing on someone else's logo? Not not Auburn's basketball team because they do that at home games too. Um, that's not a that's not a thing. That's not like a disrespectful thing. That's just they they gather around the Auburn logo and dance on it too. So um, it's a lot like the Auburn football team doing a prayer circle around the logo, whatever logo at midfield. So um, yeah, I mean I think I don't think that's a that's a thing at all. Well, if they've been praying around the Razorback logo, I don't think we would have minded that too much. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, take a knee and pray. Pray to the hog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's our job. Uh, anything else in the SEC of, of, of note? All I can find is, is Harson news right now. It's trending on Twitter, for goodness sakes. Still. Uh, Jim, uh, uh, Kobe Smart, who is the defending national championship head coach, uh, arrived at the SEC meetings in a minivan. So I think the obvious next question is, were there French fry crumbs on the floor of the minivan? Was there a leftover car seat? In the sec- in the back of the minivan, I need answers about this. Well, the the oh, I can't even say this. Can I say this? I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, my in my experience, it depends if it's he borrowed his wife's car or if it's the car that he primarily drives. <laughs> because knowing what I know about football coaches, generally they're pretty anal about everything. And I'm not saying that he would clean his own car, but he would make sure it was clean. Um, I will say that uh, you know a lot of the moms that are having to tote around kids, especially wives of coaches. Uh, it's a little harder to keep the the car clean, but I would guess there's probably a few crumbs in there somewhere along the way. I, I would imagine. Oh, and also, uh, I I was told that uh, Eli Drinkwitz was dropped off uh, in the wrong place by an Uber, so he had to walk really to get to the SEC office. <laughs> You're going to think I'm lying to you, but anybody who's met my father would not doubt this one iota. I literally, literally. Never ate a morsel of food in my father's car my entire life as a child. Not really? Once Never once. So, like, on road trips, you, like, stopped at restaurants and ate? Precisely. My dad is the most Did anal ever- human being I've ever known, and that's his deal. I mean, he loves making good time, but not as much as he loves having a clean car. I'm surprised he didn't stop at a car wash halfway through the trip, to be honest with you. <laughs> that's, that's wild. Like, I knew I knew parents who, like, were pretty pretty strict about that stuff, but, I mean... If you're on like a road trip, like six hours, mm-hmm. uh, you got to get there, man. Bro, I'm with you. You can't waste time at a restaurant. I'm 100% about making time. I don't care if they got a keg in the back. Let's roll. I agree. I agree. Open container laws be damned. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an open container, right? It's a keg. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a closed container. That's don't tap it. You got to yeah. open the tap. <laughs> well, that's you true. tap it and then take it off and tap it and take it yeah. off. Well, it depends <laughs> if you get pulled over, Wes. Exactly. Got it. That is yeah. a life hack. We should yeah. have talked about it a long time ago. Yes. Uh, he could tell who the fraternity guys are on the show. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> well, well, Barrett, thanks for the insight on the Harson thing. I'm still confounded about it. I really, honestly, I don't even care how it works out. I just can't wait to see how it works out. I'm enjoying the drama. And I think I speak for everybody listening to this show. 
we're all happy it's not Arkansas for once. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm, fa- I'm fascinated that it's not Arkansas. I'm even more fascinated and surprised it's not Tennessee. Yeah, hmm. good point. Hey, real quick, one more. Do, do these big money guys that, that that want Harson out? Do they have a guy in play, somebody in mind that they want to go get? It, 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 I mean, it really, you got to have somebody, right? If you're going to fire a guy at this time, oh, yeah. you got to have somebody you want. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. They know who they want. Um, I don't think they've told that person, uh, but I would imagine they've got things set up behind the scenes. Um, no doubt. I don't think there's any doubt now. If it ends up Kevin Steele, then this would that would be like completely like close the circle. Like it would be the most Auburn thing of all time. Well, or you could bring in Petrino, I guess. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, we'll let you go on that note. Try not to have nightmares tonight, my friend. Appreciate it. Uh, all right, see you guys. All right, see you. That's Barrett Salee, CBSSports.com.